0: Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So the year was 1995 and I sat in my dorm room. Listening to this chatter that was coming outside of my room in the common areas. And we had multiple rooms that were all linked into this common area. It was kind of like a living room space. It had couches and TVs. It was 1995. So of course we had Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo and all the distractions. So I didn't go to class, but I was sitting in my dorm room and I started to hear this chatter, this murmur. And, and I, it got louder and louder. And all of a sudden, it starts to get a little heavier. There's more shouting going on. And the shouting starts to get louder. And I hear this muffled, angry conversation get loud. Well, now, of course, I'm going to go look because every dude wants to get, see a good fight, right? So I, I go into my commons area, but it wasn't what I thought. I thought that some guy was mad at some guy or some guy was talking to some other girl. I don't know, some you know, typical drama of the day. And I sit down to see a circle of people. And in this circle of people, they're red-faced and angry. And they were debating. Now, one of the cool things about college is that so much information is able to come into, into your world. You're learning a world bigger than yourself. And at this time, here I am as a college freshman experiencing the world of people older than me, upperclassmen, taking all this knowledge And fighting with each other, but the conversation wasn't a civil conversation, nor was it something about you know typical life. They were angrily debating and arguing theology. I went to a Christian undergraduate school. Um, I went there originally to be a youth pastor. I took a class, one class. I said, "Never in a million years am I ever going to do this job. I will never be a pastor." And I left that. And I missed. Yeah, yeah, funny now, right? Uh, But I took this. Uh, major. I left it. I went into sports medicine. So I kind of left the world of theology. But you still have in, in a Christian school, you still have some base classes that you have to take. And I took those classes. And philosophy, I was really into philosophy. So I sat down to listen to these upperclassmen talk. There is no way that you can believe that, says one person. The other person, what do you mean? You're going to tell me that a loving God is going to send everybody to hell. The other guy says, well, wait, wait, you're telling me that like God has made us all robots so that there's no way, like you have no choice, but God's going to make you go to heaven? And the other one's like, well, what are you saying? Like we have no choice in the matter. And you're telling me that God is just like this angry guy. And they're like yelling at each other. And I sat down and listened to the first time in my life, a theological debate. Now, you can see them on YouTube now. You can go all over the place. But for me, as a freshman in the university, I sat down and I said, oh my goodness, I never want to be a part of this. Because they weren't talking in a way that could be understood. They were talking and yelling in a way that says, I'm right and you're wrong. There was no listening happening. It was one person's viewpoint versus another person's viewpoint. Now, in today's day and age, all you have to do is turn on CNN, Fox News, just name your thing. Everyone's yelling at everybody. But back in 1995, you didn't see that as much, and you didn't see it in the world of theology. And so my little mind was completely blown to sit here and think, wait a minute, like, isn't God, like, not supposed to be yelled about? And I was confused. I was so confused at that time, it made me take a step back. Now, the people arguing, mind you, were not sports medicine majors like me or business majors. These were Bible and theology majors. And their purpose of the conversation in that day and time was to be right. So I sat and listened for a while, and I said, I I can't even take... It made me kind of sick in my stomach. Something inside me says, this doesn't feel right that we're yelling about this. And so I left. Now, fast forward... 15 years. 15 years we're going to fast forward into the year 2000, and now we're moving into a whole different era. 2005, excuse me, do your math correctly, Jason. 2005. So here I am, a youth pastor, uh, taking a mission trip. And so we go on this mission trip. I take this beautiful group of high school students to Mexico. We go to Mexico, and we're in the part of this mission group that built homes. And the beautiful part of this was that the pastor of the area chose the homes and he would love his community, but they didn't have the labor. So we came in and we're building a home. Now, when I say a home, this isn't what you would picture as a home. This was a bunch of high schoolers making a home. Let's just say that. God bless all you high schoolers. I love you. You're not building my home, but they're building a home. And this home in its best terms could be maybe a shed. We're in a rough part of Mexico, and we decided in all of my infinite wisdom, let's do a mission trip with high school students in the middle of July. So it's 190 degrees out, and these, these kids are like fainting, and they're sick, but they're working so hard, and they put their heart and their passion into it, and I watch them eat meager rations to be able to give their time and serve and just love on this home and this beautiful family had nothing but yet made real Mexican tostadas for our family. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. And can I eat this? Is there water in this? I'm not supposed to drink water. I was confused, but it was so delicious. I ate it anyways. So we're sitting here with all these teens and we're just worshiping God saying, God, how great are you? Not that we're here to come save the world, but we can use our hands to make something and offer something. And so we get back, barely made it across the border on time. I messed up with all the time changes. Um, story for a different day. But we, get, we run, to the, run to the airport. We get on, and we set our tracks back to Mitchell International Airport. We land. The kids are just full of vigor and excitement, and we're walking down the pathway, and I saw him standing in the middle of Mitchell Airport, screaming at the top of his lungs. You're all going to go to hell if you don't know Jesus. And so he's yelling and he's got a sign and he's, everybody who comes by, he's shoving literature into their hands. Like, you don't know the real gospel of Jesus Christ. You have been fed alive what the gospel is. And he's out there just yelling and screaming and my students are walking by and he's yelling at them and they're like, whatever, dude. And he's going by and he stands in front of me and he says, do you know Jesus Christ? said, I think so. I do. He goes, but do you really know him? Do you know the real gospel? I said, sir, I do. And I'm tired. We were just in Mexico for two weeks building homes in the name of Jesus Christ. And the gospel as we know it is that God's grace is upon me as a sinner and I'm forgiven. So yes, friend, I know him his response was, no, you don't. He then began to argue and debate me about theology. Well, what's your theology on this? And what do you believe? And so he starts arguing. I said, (laughs) my niceness then came off. If you've ever done a mission trip with 50 high school students, there's only a glimmer for so long, man. I call it my Jesus juice, and my Jesus juice was real thin. At that point, I'm like, dude, Either get on my way or I'm going to Jesus punch you right in the face. I was just so like, th- that's, not, that's not Jesus. That's me, right? Like the angry. Like, I said, dude, I'm tired, man. I'm not doing this with you. I love the king. He says, well, you need to know him. And he shoves some literature into my hand. Whatever. I go on my way. We get back into the car and I'm driving home and I take a look at the literature. And the literature is just full of angry hate speech inside of here are pictures of mutilated babies saying that I'm not doing enough for abortion. Another one over here says, if you don't know these things or believe these things about this, you don't know the truth. I mean, it's just like, what? Sir, do you think that this is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I learned at an early age, and I learned at that time, is this what we're supposed to be doing? Are we supposed to be sitting in a group of people arguing about doctrine? Now, there's lots of ideas and thoughts, and I'm going to talk about majors and minors. Majors are the big ones that, you know what, I will die on that hill. You tell me Jesus is not the Son of God, I'm going to die on that hill, and that's when I will say, incorrect, that's what the Scriptures say. But when you take the major doctrines, and you take the minor things like, how did creation happen Was it seven literal days, or did it take thousands of years? That is a great question. I have my viewpoint. I've studied it. Everyone's got great ideas. My answer is, I don't know. I wasn't there. God created. Okay, can we go to that and focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ? But that's a minor. When is Jesus coming back? Boy, there's lots of views on it. My view is correct. Pastor Nix is wrong. We don't agree. We don't agree because we read the scriptures. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's some beautiful things here but I don't know, but Jesus is coming back because that's what the scriptures say. And what I've found in in my world, and maybe you can relate, that anger doesn't come over the major things, it comes over the minor things. We're arguing about these things and causing division amongst ourselves in such a way that the world out there is like, you guys are really bogus, like you say you love Jesus, but you don't speak in love. You say that you love this King and that the gospel changes you, but at the same time, I watch news debates, I watch sports debates, which they get really angry in there. And some of those guys, are really, if you watch sports, like, oh, this guy's the best player ever. Like it's Michael Jordan. Don't argue. So like you have all these things that are going on here, and you start to say, wait a minute, like, where is this God of love that you guys speak of? Because in the same way that Jesus was full of grace, he was also full of truth. And the truth that we have, the things that I'm going to sit down and say, brother, I do want to have conversations about, is the scriptures. What does the word of God say? The Bible is the authority on that. And sometimes there's things in there that can be interpreted lots of different ways. So then we say, okay, is this a major point? Or is this a minor point? Now, my friends who are sitting in this dorm room, they weren't arguing if Jesus was the Son of God. They were not arguing if Jesus came from a virgin birth. They were not arguing if Jesus is going to come again someday. They were not arguing if that we have sinned and need a Savior. They weren't arguing about any of that. They're arguing about angrily side topics. Now, I say this because it's come as no shock to you. All of our social media friends in here, you've seen these debates. You've seen these things on social media in which a person says something simple. Oh, man, I love the Lord, and, man, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to go to prayer on that. I'll be praying for you. Then the troll enters. Now, trolls, if you don't know who trolls are, are those people who just like to start fights on social media. Prayer, that doesn't work unless you do it this way. Argument, argument. And then you start scrolling a thread that now becomes 573 people arguing and throwing Bible verses at each other like they're ninja stars, like Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse. And they're like angry, and they're fighting, and they're throwing stuff to try to get the kill. But Paul actually talks about this in his scripture. He writes a letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy in, who's in Ephesus. Now, in Ephesus, this place, this city was not a good place. Paul was the original church planner, which I think is fantastic. He church-planted And he sends Timothy to Ephesus, and he's in Ephesus. He's a young pastor, and he's going through a lot at this point. And there's a lot of world against him. And what happens, inside the church, things start getting corrupted by the teachers. The teachers of the church were starting to get corrupted, and they started bringing outside thoughts in, and their outside thoughts were causing dissension and arguments. And Paul has this statement, guys, you can't do this. What you're doing is causing division among the church, and you've lost your focus on the gospel. So this is true of our year in the year 2020. One area that people have consistently expressed a reason for disliking the church is the way in which doctrine and belief is taught. Think about that for a second. It's not the truth of the gospel have we ever thought the way that we communicate, talk, everything could be the hamper in that? Because in Paul's day, it was happening. Like the fact that you're loved by God and saved by God and the gospel, let it be offensive for what it is. For those who say, I'm not a sinner, I don't need a savior, and they're offended by that, let the gospel offend. The gospel of Jesus Christ It's going to sound like foolishness we hear in the scriptures to people who don't know it because the gospel of Jesus Christ says you're not good enough to get to heaven. You need a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Let that be offensive. There's 25 ways to heaven. No, there's not. According to the scriptures, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. Let that be offensive. And if you want to sit down and talk with a friend, say, I don't understand. I don't believe that. Why do you believe that? Should we not speak in love because the gospel is a message of love? The gospel itself, if it's offensive, let that be offensive. Let not the way we do it be offensive. But people have been Bible beaten. Now, if you're new to church, this is maybe your first time experiencing, or if you have had some time, let me tell you what Bible beating looks like. Bible beating is using the Bible in a way that's a ninja star. I'm going to use this to attack. I'm going to use this and yell at you. I had a, I had a pastor when I was younger, an associate pastor. I had two different pastors. My, the lead pastor would speak, and like, oh, my gosh, I love. I was a, a youth at the time. I could hear the message, and I would take little notes, or I would goof around with my friend, depending if my mom caught me or not. But I would take notes. Yes, I'm looking at you kids. And I would take notes and listen. I loved when he spoke. The other one is what we used to call a fire and brimstone teacher. Now, there's nothing wrong with passion. Obviously, I get all amped up too, right? But the message that I heard from him that all I remember, this is all I remember as a 10 year old boy to this day is him telling me I'm going to hell, pounding the pulpit and his Bible angrily, red faced. He's all sweaty. He's like, you're going to hell. And he's like bound him like, I'm sorry, Lord. And like, I would like ask Jesus in my heart 800 times because no matter what sermon it was, I then thought I was going to hell. Now it's true if I don't know Jesus Christ. There's truth to his message. But did I hear the gospel of Jesus Christ through what he was saying? And that's what Paul is going to be teaching us about today. So we're going to talk about doctrine as we get into the passage. There's lots of, I've got to kind of give you some background to this before we get into a doctrine. Christian doctrine. The word doctrine is basically teaching, it's an attempt to state the message of God, the gospel and what should happen to people who have faith in God. So when we're talking about doctrine, it's this belief idea and the ability to teach it. And rather than coming from a place of humility and grace, we're going to read a passage where they come from a place of arrogance and anger. Instead of being a messenger, humbly coming, saying, my friends, the King has come. I want you to know who Jesus Christ is. This is who he is. They came from a a posture of, arrogance and haughtiness. And so when we get into this message, it's not new from Timothy and Paul's day to our day. There is a message out there, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want to talk more about politics than the gospel. So I'm going to challenge you right now. What are you talking more about in 2020? Corona, politics, or the gospel of Jesus Christ? What's easier to post online? The gospel or Corona and politics. Now, you can talk about politics. That's fine. You can talk about Corona. That's fine. I'm just going to ask you the question to get into First Timothy. What do you find easier to talk about? And what do you talk more about? And at the same time, how do you posture yourself in those conversations? Because Paul says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, your teachers there have gotten off track. Let's bring them back to why we exist as a church. First Timothy chapter 1. If you guys have your Bibles, turn there. Bible apps. Um, friends at home, feel free to flip there as well into your scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Like I said, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He's in Ephesus, and they're working through a serious, image, uh, serious issue. They're teaching the wrong things about God. So we'll start with verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia... Stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We pick up the passage where Paul's instructing Timothy, "Um, your teachers start teaching something else. They're going into this thing of of, uh, genealogy, and they're going into these myths, and they're starting to combine these into the teaching of the gospel. So these outside things which are part of their culture and their world are now starting to come into the message of what's happening inside of the church. And so, this false doctrine is any idea that leads to, takes away from, contradicts, or nullifies the doctrine given in God's word. Let me say this again to you, because even within Christian worlds, we're throwing a wor- a big words around like false teacher, false doctrine. This is what false doctrine is any idea that adds to. Takes away from, contradicts, or nullifies the doctrine given in God's word. God's word is the authority. So, an example of a false doctrine, if someone were to teach, you know, Jesus was not born of a virgin birth, uh, that's just some made up story that directly contradicts Matthew chapter 1, verses 18. So, Matthew 1, 18. Clearly states that Jesus was born of virgin birth. And that's important in the genealogy of Jesus and how he then becomes Savior and therefore the Spirit coming from God. So if this is not true, that's a major. That's one of the majors. That's directly nullifying something clear in Scriptures. So they began teaching things that were not true. They start teaching things that are outside the gospel, outside of. What they knew. Now at their time, they didn't have the scriptures. You guys have no idea how awesome it is that you have a Bible on your phone, let alone in your hands, because you can now go to the word yourself and you can read these things. They did not have that. The teachings came from the ones who had walked with Jesus. They were the first the first to see the apostles, then to the next, and now these teachers were teaching the next. So anytime you start to go astray, you understand how important this is when one person starts to go astray, you start to trickle down a false doctrine. And so holding to the truth of the gospel in which Jesus taught was vital. It wasn't like, oh, we can just YouTube that later. This was vital, because there was no other way to get that information but from those who were an eyewitness to Jesus, to those who saw him, to those who were next, and to pass the true gospel forward. So as we know of Paul himself, Paul was not a disciple of Jesus. He didn't come to Jesus till later in life. And so he was a Pharisee. So when he transformed and came to Jesus, he relied on the teaching of the apostles. And so he trained with them and learned and heard. And he had, Jesus himself spoke to Paul on a road and said, why are you persecuting me? So Paul has an interaction with Jesus, transforms his life, learns the, all of this, and now he is an advocate of what he has heard. From a direct mouth. And the doctrine of the gospel is so clear. Now, they're writing these down during these times, and the letters don't start coming out to 40, 50, 60 plus years after Jesus has passed. But these had been written down while Jesus was there, and these are being, uh, and these, at Paul's writing, are letters that he's writing to the churches he had planted. So we get into this. He says, Listen, don't let it happen. These teachers, are going off the side and they're t- teaching and they're focused on myths and genealogies. In the year, our year 2020, myths and genealogies aren't necessarily so much important in our day, in our culture, but let's go back to their time. They were devoting their time and energy into things that were side stories. In this context, myths are traditions. They're not things not found in scriptures. They add or they can add into what they're hearing. So these myths traditions. Now, traditions aren't bad. Traditions for your traditions are good. There could be traditions even within the church world that aren't necessarily bad, right? Should you or should you not wear a suit to church? I will not. <laughs> However, old school, you were your Sunday best. So old school in my day, you, you can't wear jeans to church. you got to look nice wear your Sunday best. Hey, Sunday best is not a bad thing, but it comes from a tradition. And that tradition is based on the idea of like, well, I should offer my best to Jesus and look nice, but also comes from a disfunct cultural thing in that that was the gathering time of the community in which you'd show off how much richer you are than everybody else. The culture in which we now see it, as it moved through time, a tradition turned, it actually became more of an arrogance statement. Is it wrong? Absolutely not. You can find wear your best. That's fine. But I look and say, I read the Bible. Jesus was homeless. So mom, can I wear my holy jeans? Because he was holy. She's like, no, go get your slacks on. And we called them slacks in the 80s. That's right. They were tight. They're polyester. I hated them. But it's not wrong. But then you start to say, you can't come to our church unless you wear a suit. You're not welcome to our family unless you do what we say in our traditions. You start to say, wait a minute, we're focusing on the wrong things. You can see how that can really mess stuff up. One of the things that I find fascinating from my day and traditions within the church is Star Wars. If you've heard me speak before, you know I love Star Wars and I'm a geek. And, and Star Wars, in the uniqueness of what this is, we live in a year right now in which Star Wars is just like commonplace. It's all over the place. It's normal. I mean, I think I don't, every Christian around is like, Star Wars, right? You know, like, But let's go back to the year 1983. Back in 1983, my mom was instructed to burn my Star Wars toys. I should not watch the movies. We were heard in the church that it's evil. It's going to turn me away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is dark. It's making you believe other things. Yoda isn't real. You're going to believe in not real things. All these different things. And I was a little boy. I'm like, lightsaber. Like, that's all I thought as a little boy is I get to whack things with a laser sword was the coolest thing ever what happened? Like, it, is it bad or is it not? Did it detract from the gospel of Jesus Christ or was it a story, of fantasy? And that tradition made my mom on a place of saying, do you really know Jesus if you're going to allow that to happen? Now, is it wrong for her to say, I prefer you not to watch Star Wars? No, it's fine. Is it wrong for her to say, hey, Star Wars, uh, I think, is just a story. Cool. The bigger story is this. Did I know the gospel of Jesus Christ? Was I focused on the gospel? Or was I saying, or was the pastor saying, you're not allowed to come because that's happening? So think about this. That's what's happening in this world. These myths are starting. These traditions are starting. That's distracting from the gospel. Yeah, I keep saying the gospel. Because if you're newer or haven't heard us, that is all that we're going to focus on, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom come, his will be done. The gospel is what saves humanity. And yes, there's other things to talk about. Yes, there's other things to learn. Those things are wonderful. But if we as a church could just focus dead set on the gospel of Jesus Christ and then have conversations about the rest, what would happen To Washington County. What would happen if all of us were so impassioned with the gospel that we would say, no matter what, people have to know love, freedom, because of Jesus? The gospel of Jesus Christ saves everybody. And in a response to that, it's not like, oh, thanks. We now have repentance, and our lives are transformed. So if my life is transformed by the gospel, I'm no longer the man I was, I'm no longer the man I was yesterday. I'm constantly growing to become more like Christ because that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He loves us too much just to sit and stay in our same old lame life. He has a new life available for us. And that is what Paul is saying, focus. Focus, my friends. Don't get into the side stuff. Focus on the topics that matter. I love this. I mean, just, I don't want to keep harping this, but the 80s was a weird time for Christianity. I grew up in it, so just deal with me. Does anybody remember when there was a really tough topic discussion if drums should be played in church? You can't have drums in church. Man, drums, like, that's like rock bands and evil people. You can't have drums. I remember this argument about could there be drums. I remember the church. I grew up a beautiful church, loved them, and I was so appreciative of my foundation's, but we're on the traditional bend with uh, hymnals, which hymns are great. I love hymns. Um, we'd read hymns. I didn't understand them as a youth. Don't understand them all now, but they're still good words, right? And so full of theology. I love them. So I'm reading these hymns, and I would sing, and there was one person up there, and the piano was being played with one song. Beautiful tradition. Beautiful. But life changed. Culture changed. And then as culture changed, we start to say, well, you can't have drums. They would say, It's sinful. And I would go to my Bible, I'm like, uh, I think David played on a lot of stuff in the Psalms, and, say, and David danced. Oh, don't even get me started on dancing, if that's evil or not, right? Like, David danced, David played stuff. Like, I could and picture David as, if you read the Psalms, like having this huge party of just like worshiping God, not in an evil way, but in a way to honor God. In the year 2020, very few churches don't even have drums anymore. But there were so many arguments, angry arguments, as we lost track of the gospel. So this was happening in their version in their time. Genealogies, myths and genealogies. Genealogies goes back to the Jewish tradition, and the Jewish people were very, very, very proud of who they were. Who they were in their family was everything. It was your credo. It was your lineage. And they were very proud if they could put their way all the way back to Father Abraham. Father Abraham, as we read in scriptures, is the beginning of when God makes a promise to say, I'm going to create a people that are set apart for me. And so Father Abraham is given this, uh, this oath from God, this covenant, that there will be more people than the stars in the sky that will come from your lineage. And so the Jewish people loved that they were able to link their way back to Abraham. They're important in the eyes of scripture. We read them, Jesus talks about them. It's an important component. However, there's a disagreement in the church. I'm better than you. You're not even Jewish. I'm better than you. Greater than, less than. So think about Mosaic Church. You walk in. However you dress today is not appropriate. You're not welcome here. Wait, what are you? You're not even Jewish. You're not welcome here. Or whatever weird things we could make up and story we could make up, that's what's happening in this church of Ephesus. And Paul is saying, friends, I'm begging you, begging you, begging you. Timothy, Get them back to the gospel. Get them back to what matters. They are focusing and teaching the wrong things. Back to the passage in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Continues on in the second part of verse 4 and says, Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. Controversial speculations. Think about everything we shared this morning. Controversial speculations. They're off talking about all these side things instead of advancing God's work. Now, again, there's nothing wrong talking about topics and ideas and thoughts, but I'm going to go back again. Guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so stuck in the 80s. Like, if I could go back to the future, 1985, like, I'm going to go back to 55 and go back to 85. I loved it. So, But there's weird stuff in the 80s. And in the 80s, there's this huge argument in the church When is Jesus coming back? The rapture, and when Jesus was coming back, if you were a Christian back then, remember these days, I see your smells like, yep. I mean, uh, there were so many arguments and angry, angry, angry arguments. He's coming back here. He's coming back here. He's coming back now. All Christians, when Jesus comes back, will have to go through all this torment and seven years of persecution when the you guys like, what are you talking about? Read Revelation. So in the book of Revelation, there's all these stories that are happening. Jesus is coming back. And what I saw as a young child is I saw arguments. I saw speculation. I saw controversy. And I saw more people talking about that than Jesus Christ and the gospel. Now, what does that mean for us today? Today, Because we have so much information, because it's at our fingertips, because you can have a thought and tweet it and the whole world can see it immediately, more thoughts, more controversy, and more speculation is being pushed into our world than ever. This is one church in Ephesus, a small church that that Timothy is in, and he's trying to bring these people together. But if Paul's instructing a church, in this village, this little town of Ephesus, well, it's big, but, you know, I'm saying this church, in Ephesus, he's saying, guys, don't do it. What is he he saying in 2020? That I have the ability to tweet, state, put anything I want onto the interwebs, and the entire world can hear it instantaneously. It is making people think and believe that Christianity is not real. They're confused. I don't want anything to do with it. We have lost our way in moving forward the work of God. God's work, which is by, as you see, faith. God's work is our ability to sit and say, the gospel so inclines me to advance his teaching, his gospel. We find out, as he keeps reading, on love. So imagine back into my dorm room. Great thoughts, smart people, way smarter than me. Um, They're sitting there, and they're talking and discussing. In this dorm room, I'm sitting here, and as a young man, I'm watching this conversation unfold, and I was turned off, even though I was a Christian. What if they sat there and said, man, I don't know, these are some good thoughts, but how does this play into Scripture and they, throw, they use scripture, but how does this play into our advancing the gospel? Because Jesus, when he left the earth, said this, I want you to go into all the world and be fantastic theologians that debate with everybody to prove you're right and they're wrong. Until No, that's not the verse. If you're wondering, like, wait a minute, that's not, that's not the scripture. He says this, go and make disciples, teaching them everything that I have taught you. So let's just go into the red letters of the New, of the New Testament If you want to have a life work, learn the red letters and replicate that into others. Just the red letters. Just the red, just try that. You won't be done by the time you're dead. Just the red letters of Jesus, teaching everything I have taught you. And so we as disciple makers take the truth of the scriptures. We can just do that, but there's more. We have an entire Bible to learn about God. And so when we take what is Jesus saying in the red letters, letters, he says, I have a new way for you. The new way is call on me and you will be saved. And then the story, as we start to bring it all together, brings hope and life. There's no, there's no need to argue. There's no need to be angry. There's no need to focus on side stuff. I can't even get the red letters right, let alone the other stuff. And so when it comes to these beautiful topics of discussion of, of these, you know, these side stories and these different doctors that are minors, I say, I'd love to nerd out and geek out on them but maybe I'm wrong. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is clear in the scriptures. I'll die on that hill. And that's what Timothy is saying. There's a, a, a coach in Old Miss named Hugh If You guys are into sports or public or into a college football at all. He was publicly caught doing things that were against his faith. A whole bunch of stuff came out. Big scandals came out about this coach. And he was a Christian coach a very outspoken Christian coach. And Timothy Thomas writes this about in his article, What Lamar Odom Can Teach Hugh Freeze. He says this, What made his transgressions so vile in the court of public opinion was his outspokenness about being a Christian. He unapologetically invited his players to Sunday worship and was heralded as a hero to many Southern believers. A Christian football coach in the South is not unheard of. But a coach bold enough to speak about the Christian faith, particularly in Mississippi, part of America's Bible Belt, looks untouchable. So a man is professing Christ. He says, you got to come and know the Lord, at the same time living a life that is so unbelievably foul and undercover that people say even what he says isn't real. Because Paul, in his passage, as he challenges us here, back to the verse, is that he is doing it in love because the teachers of the law need to actually live out and know what they're teaching. And so you need to know it, but live it. You just can't know you must live. For us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all put together into this package. If the gospel's transformed you, you are a new creature. You're a new creation. You are on this journey of becoming more like Christ. Now, I wish you just like fast forward in time and became like him. That's not how he does it. It's a journey. It's a passage. But every day is a focus back into the gospel, back into the hope that we have in our king who died for us. And so if we think that we profess Christ, but at the same time we're living foul, friends, people spot that out and call it out in an instant. We have shared that this is one of the most unchurched generation of all time, And I don't believe it to be true for the future. I believe a generation is calling the bluff of Christians who've been sitting around so long, yapping our gums but not living it. If we want to be the followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, friends, it takes us being transformed into his likeness. The gospel transforms us so that we don't just talk about it, we live it. Living the gospel includes what we post. Living the gospel Includes what we do when we're hurt. Living the gospel is the all-encompassing message of the red letters. That when we live this, the world is transformed by it. So I close this with this. I have three questions for you, note-takers. Three fantastic questions. If you're not a note-taker, start next week. Notes. I don't want you to hear this and walk. Because this this whole series, I Love Jesus But Hate is a message that's on my heart from friends who said, Jason, I love Jesus, but hate blank. I've heard it. My friends have said it to me. Maybe you've had friends who've said it. And one of the things that people hate are angry, argumentative Christians that speak Jesus, but show no grace, who say Jesus, but have no love. And so these are three fantastic questions for you to just process and ponder. Either today, write them on your uh, a note card, hang them up, put them in your car, and just think. And friends, I'm not here to tell you what you are or are not doing. I don't know. That's not why I'm here. So if you feel convicted today or like, Jason, stop yelling at me, uh, it's not me. This is the word and what Timothy was hearing from his instructor. And so I instruct to you today. Because I'm challenged by this myself as I wrote this this week. Do you focus on the gospel or trivial topics? Clear as day in the passage. Do you focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ or trivial topics? Now, you can't, not saying you can't think about, talk about. Do you focus on the gospel or do you focus on trivial topics? Secondly, when you speak, do you speak in love, as Paul said, or do you speak in arrogance? Do you speak in love which is gentle, which is kind, which is firm, which is clear, which is humble? Do you speak in love or in arrogance? And finally, do your actions match your words? Do people around you see you living what you say you believe? Do your friends around you see you act out the words in which you say you know? And do your actions match your words? Three simple questions. What would happen if we all focused on the gospel? What would happen if we all spoke in love? What would happen if we all acted out what we said we believe? I'll tell you what would happen. It's called revival. That's what we call revival. You ever heard this big, scary term, what really happens? It means people turn away from their old way and turn back to God. That's a revival. That is what God is calling us to. Our hearts away from the things of the world, our hearts back to him. Friends, let's stop stop focusing and promoting controversial speculations, as Paul said, rather than advancing God's work. Let us focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.